When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's poppin' Rush Nation? Welcome to another week of NFL football. My mind is completely scrambled. So I'm joined by Murph, the pillar to the Five Yard podcast. Brother, how are you? And you've got your Buccaneers jersey, well, T-shirt on, because uh, at the start of the season, it does say, if you are not watching Rush Nation, it does say Murph with at Murph on the NFL. Give him a follow on the X machine underneath, however, in very small writing. So not as to completely admit defeat here, but it does say Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry. No, no, so, no. It, it, I didn't get to choose the font of the writing. I, it just gives you a line <laughs> for your name, and then you get a secondary line for like a headline, right? And and I feel like I should take this opportunity to issue a public apology, right? And, you know, Good. I am not somebody who is beyond admitting that I'm wrong, right? I am wrong frequently about a lot of things. And in the openness of uh, transparency and fairness, you know, I have levied a lot of criticism towards Baker Mayfield on this show not just before he was at Tampa, when he was a quarterback at other organizations, when he was a quarterback, he was signed by the Buccaneers. I wasn't enamored. I wasn't impressed. I was calling for Carl Trask. I named a lot of my sleeper teams um, in honor of Kyle Trask and also for uh, some things about Baker uh, himself. Um, (laughs) And... You know, I, I think it's fair to say that, like, I wasn't a Baker fan. And it's not – forget the on-the-field stuff, okay? The on-the-field – look, I know 
even regardless of this apology that I'm going to get to, um, I know that he is not an elite quarterback. I'm not sitting here like blinded by the lights, okay, of what's going on. The, my issue with Baker Mayfield always has been leadership, commitment, attitude. That's always been my issue. At every team he's been at, he's never really shown strong leadership traits. He's never really seemed like a the ultimate team. I think in his rookie season, he did. He definitely showed like a lot of the fun Baker side. Um, but there was a lot of immature stuff. Some of the press conferences he did, um, focusing a lot on the commercial aspects, which I appreciate you, you, you get a short career, right? You've got to earn your money. But it seemed to be that he was putting work, those outside football commitments ahead of his professional commitments. Um, and just things like that. I just, you know, and you don't go from being on three teams in under a year and, and, and expect that everything's going really well. And it's not just, again, I don't think that's all playing. I think that a lot of it is his attitude, how he came into the dressing room, arguments with coaches, you know, the stuff that's documented, okay? And and I follow Baker Mayfield from a, a distance. I don't know the ins and outs, don't know the day-to-days. These are all from articles and research and things are done. And I wasn't really happy because I felt we'd gone from Tom Brady, who is an elite leader, uh, model professional to somebody who perhaps isn't in that ilk, and we drafted Carl Trask in the view that he would be the replacement, and I was excited to see what he could do. Um, however, as the season has progressed, yes, there's been some bumps in the road. The one thing that has ultimately impressed me about Baker Mayfield is his attitude and his leadership and his commitment. Now, I don't know if it's just he sees this as his last chance that he's grown up a little bit, that actually what was documented previously is incorrect or a slanted view that wasn't uh, entirely true. I don't know. All I can do is testify to what I've seen this year and the way that he acts, the way that behaves. Um, Even in the victory on Monday night, you know, when they're heaping praise on him, he's praising his teammates like Anton Winfield Jr. He's trying to not take the praise and be like, oh, it's all me. It's all me. It's the Baker show which is this impression that you kind of got was the guy he is. And he's very much putting it on everybody else. And he's just ultimately impressed me as a professional, uh, as a leader of the team. And and he's on play, you know, on the field play, for the most part, has been pretty good. 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns in the regular season. He was phenomenal on Monday night. Um, tight window throws, uh, great ability. But he's, he's hanging tough. He takes hits. He plays hurt. I can't fault Baker Mayfield. So Baker Reagan Mayfield from the bottom of my heart. I am sorry. I am sorry for everything I said. I misjudged you, misunderstood you. Uh, I appreciate the fact that you are the quarterback of my team. And I really hope that you're the quarterback of my team next year, as long as you're not too greedy and ask for like $50 million. If you win the Super Bowl, Murph, will you buy a Mayfield jersey? No, and there's there's and it's not because of that. I just so <laughs> so I'm I really am not going to buy another jersey. I can't justify buying another jersey only because the five yard uh, mid season elimination league. The prize was a jersey, and I won that. So I just bought a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. And that will be like the seventh I own. And I don't know if I can justify buying another one next year. 
<laughs> and that wouldn't be a I mean, it's Baker Mayfield. There's lots of jerseys I'd love. A Dan Tom Winfield jersey. I would love a Vita Vea jersey. I would love, yeah, I wouldn't mind the Baker Mayfield jersey. There's probably a few players I'd have over him, and it's not because of Baker Mayfield. It's, I absolutely love Vita Vea. I absolutely love Anton Winfield Jr. Um, but you'll be pleased to know the jersey I did buy. I'm not sure I will. You'll never get it. Hmm. Who did the Bucks take second round kicker? Did you? Nah. <laughs> Do you know what? That's not a million miles away. <laughs> Who uh, is it? Those that know me best as a Buccaneers fan know I have a certain appreciation of a certain punter by the name of Jake Kamada, aka the punt god. Jake Kamada jersey is cu- uh, Jake Kamada creamsicle is on its way to me. Uh, uh, yes, that's right. I bought a Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey of a punter. So, I think you, in the words of Fast and Furious, too soon, Junior, too soon. I think this smacks of hypocrisy, Murph, because as soon as Tom Brady won you a championship, there you were with your Brady jersey. It's only fair Mayfield gets the same love. I cannot believe you. What do you mean? I... I... (laughs) Well, look, we'll we'll see how we'll see what happens when the season ends. But the bottom line, the bottom, I can't just look. I have a Godwin jersey, an Evans jersey, a Brady jersey. I have a Derek Brooks jersey. I now have a Jake Kamada jersey. Um, I have a Michael Stott jersey. Mm, um, you so you know, it's pretty difficult to justify another jersey in the mix. Like it's. Yeah. I already get heat from the wife uh, for all the jerseys I do own. Um, we'll review it upon the end of the season, but I don't <laughs> like my chances of getting that one waved through the expense account. Uh, I feel like your apology to Mayfield is tainted by the fact you are not going to grace the hallowed walls of Murph Mansion with a Mayfield. I, I wouldn't say never, just not next season. <laughs> if we listen, unless we launch some fire jersey like. Two seasons ago, or three seasons ago, we launched the the grey pewter, which is incredible. Um, was that three seasons? Maybe it was four seasons ago. And then last season, we we launched the creamsicle, so that's what I've bought a uh, creamsicle. You know, I already have the red. I'm not buying the white. I just don't like white jerseys. I don't see the point. Okay, it's it's like irrelevant. So I, it's just it's just it's not. I wouldn't buy one. It's hard to justify. And then also, if I did buy one. I kind of want to buy an Anton Winfield Jr. or a Vita Vea one who were responsible for both Super Bowls if we do win another one. Anton Winfield Jr. is all pro. He's all pro. I mean, it's fair. I completely, I understand. I'm just saying. I went with a punter. That's right. I went with a punter for my jersey. Okay. That's fair. It's unusual. You won't see another one. Uh, That's, yeah. You won't see another Jake Kamada jersey. Right, should we talk about the games? Yeah, I think is, there's so much to unpack. Sorry, first of all, that we didn't record last week. We just couldn't get our schedules uh, right, and uh, it just meant it was a bit of a late-minute switch. Um, and then, yeah, we just couldn't make it happen. So it's it's one of those things. Um, but, hey, we are where we are. And uh, this week's games, I mean, where do you want to start? I mean, I, I 
honestly, we could start anywhere. So much happened, so much can happen in the following games to come. Do we start in the past and head to the future, or do we talk about the future games with a look from the past? I think we've got to do a little bit <clears throat> of a nod to the past games and just talk about maybe the headlines and the fallout of those. Because I think there's some news that's coming out of some of those games and results, especially for those that have not advanced, um, that we should probably, at least it will segue on to when we talk about coordinator vacancies and things like that. Okay. Go on then. Where should we start? You can choose today. Well, I mean, I'm biased. I want to start with Monday night. I want to talk about how great the Buccaneers were on Monday night football. Um, but also just how bad the Eagles were. Like, that is, I mean, a couple of years ago, we beat the Eagles 30 to nothing in the in the playoffs. Well, I think maybe they got some garbage time points. I can't quite remember. But it was 30 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. What happened at the very end of the game? I pretty much had switched off and was concentrating on the following game. <clears throat> but it was a very easy game and i don't i don't know what has happened to the eagles they were 10 and 1 and we've talked about on this show previously that teams that start really strong and don't face that adversity when they do they really struggle and the eagles epitomized that in spades they went from 10 and 1 to 11 and 6 and now they're out they are the oldest team in the nfl and you know they lost do they really days. Yeah, they're the oldest team in the NFL. There's a lot of very old veteran players. Jason Kelsey, it's already been reported that he's told his teammates he is retiring. Yeah. Um, you've got Lane Johnson. I don't know if he's back. He might come back one more year. Brandon Graham, there's talks. He might play one more year, and then they're going to give him a job in the front office. I don't know. Maybe. But these guys are like 14-year, 13-year veterans. Um they have a lot of significantly older players in their team, especially in the trenches uh, and especially a bit on the back end. And they, they showed it against the bucks. I mean, like they couldn't tackle to save their lives watching. I don't know if you've seen the David Moore touchdown that he's in the first quarter, um, but David Moore basically scores a touchdown that is echoed very similarly to the uh, greased up deaf guy from family guy. <laughs> where they're constantly trying to... T they can't put hands on and complete a tackle. And this happened all night for the Eagles. And it was just... I've never seen so many missed tackles in a game. Like, to the point that Joe Buck was, was going, he was apologizing. He's like, I keep, I'm really sorry for keep saying the same thing, but the Eagles keep missing tackles. I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was just bad. Like, so many... Missed tackles for first downs, for touchdowns, you know. And I had an Eagles fan who talked to me on Tuesday when he calmed down. And he said to me, <laughs> and he said to me, he said, yeah, but on the tush push, there was a face mask. And so the officials were on your side. And I was like, maybe, maybe on the tush push at the goal line for a two point conversion, maybe there might have been. At the end of the play, you can give it, you not give it, whatever, right? Even if it's a face mask, you get a penalty, you go again. Even if you score, you score and you get two points. It's still 32 to 11. <laughs> that that call wasn't for a touchdown and it didn't change the game. It didn't change yeah. how the game was played. You can't sit here and say that the officials 
handed the Buccaneers a victory because <laughs> of one play call. Yes, it, it could have been a face mask. Absolutely. And you know what? If they call it, they call it. But they were bad. Like, if that's what you're hanging your hat on as to the reason why you lost this game, you're deluded because they were dreadful. The Jalen Hurts just decided that he was going to target anyone, only target Devonta Smith. Decided, I'm not going to use Julio Jones. I'm not going to use Dallas Goddard. I know Dallas Goddard got a touchdown, but he was wide open. But it was just like, if I can't find Devonta Smith, I'm not going to do anything else. It just, mm. there's a big. <laughs> Shane Steichen as an offensive coordinator is clearly missing from there. Um, Matt Patricia <laughs> probably called one of the worst games I've ever seen as a defensive coordinator. Just made it so easy. Um, credit, credit, Baker Mayfield got credit, Todd Bowles. A lot of people called for Todd Bowles' head a few weeks ago. Um, you know, this team lost, uh, what they lose? Six out of seven games at one point in the season, the Buccaneers, including to the Eagles. So, you know, to turn so that around. Think, where do we think the, I was going to say, where do we think the two turnarounds happened with the Bucks losing so many in a row and then getting to where they are and then the Eagles winning so many in a row and then. Yeah. So they're almost parallel. The Bucks won five of the last six to win the division and get in. The Eagles lost five of the last six to lose their division and, and make the wild card. The Buccaneers, it's a little bit easier to kind of understand because the Buccaneers played with a lot of undrafted free agent rookies, one of the youngest squads in the NFL with a brand new offensive coordinator, a brand new quarterback. And they played with 80 million in dead cap at the start of the season. So they didn't assemble a super squad of players, especially on offense. The Buccaneers defense has been pretty decent, not as great in the air as it has been previously, but stopping the run, it's been solid and it's been pretty, um, pretty on point for most parts a couple of games it was a blip uh the houston game comes to mind they were pretty awful um it was a couple of games that I, I, yeah the saints second to last game of the season they're pretty awful but i think everyone was but for the most part this d has been pretty solid um and you would expect it with the kind of veterans they had the offensive side took a bit of time to get going um got a first time play caller that takes time a new quarterback getting used to all the new players and everything that takes time and I think this, this team just got better as the season went on, as they became more familiar with each other. And, you know, it's really easy to say, well, the Buccaneers should be better on offense because they've got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I mean, that's fine, but quarterback play and passing the ball is about rhythm, about timing, about relationship and communication. That takes time to build. Um, so I think the bottom line is this team just got better just from playing every week. That's ultimately it. Um, the play call got... Dave Canales now, you know, shout out to Dave Canales because he saved Geno Smith's career, uh, got Geno paid. He was the QB coach at Seattle last season when Geno had a great season. Um, he saved Baker Mayfield's career. I think it's fair to say with coming in here and, and playing it. You know, you gotta give you gotta give the guy some credit. I don't think his play calling has been ingenious. I don't think he is some off. I mean, he's he's going for a head office, uh, a head coaching job in an uh, interview this week with Atlanta. Sorry, not Atlanta, with Carolina. Um, I think it would be a mistake to for him to jump that soon. I think he's got a lot to learn at the offensive coordinator position. I don't think he's an elite offensive coordinator yet, but I think he's done a good job and he's he's managed to get the run established. He's, and there were things that got a lot better. This team got better at running the football second half of the season. The Eagles, I think it, it stems to a couple of things. Now they've got two uh they got a rookie offensive 
uh, play caller uh, in Brian Johnson. They've got a uh, they had Sean Desai who was calling plays for the defense. They moved him upstairs um, and brought in Matt Patricia to call plays. I think that was the beginning of the end for the Eagles because it coincides quite nicely. Matt Patricia's hiring as defensive coordinator and this downward trend. And they everything on the defensive end just really dried up for the Eagles. Um, this this unit's well known for a lot of sacks, a lot of pressures. They weren't getting to the quarterback. They weren't recording sacks, huge sack droughts. Um, they picked up some injuries, especially uh, linebacker position, safety position. They were awful against the Buccaneers. Um, Reed Bankinship was missing for this game. He's an outstanding safety. Without him, they didn't really stand much of a chance. Um, Zach Cunningham in the middle was was woeful. He made a couple of decent sort of interceptions, but for the most part, he was pretty dreadful in this game. Couldn't tackle to save his life. Um, Nicholas Morrow pretty much shouldn't have even really been on the field. Um, and I think that it's an amazing thing. We talked about this. When a team goes on a long unbeaten run and they win 10 of the first 11 games. We saw this with the Steelers a couple of years ago. Remember they started 11 and 0 and then they started losing mm-hmm. games. It's exactly the same thing. When a team gets to adversity in the season, it's how they deal with that adversity. This team just didn't deal with it very well. Just pure and simple. It lost games. The culture got in. They got used to losing games. They lost more games. They lost more games. And it just kept going that way. And that's ultimately what happened with the Eagles. They just at this point where they looked defeated before they even turned up. And the Buccaneers are one of the worst starting teams in the NFL. <laughs> They've scored up until Monday night, three touchdowns in the first quarter all season, which is the second fewest in the NFL. They don't start games well. So it's like the, the Eagles just had to come in, get on the board early, apply some pressure, stay in front. And that's what you need to do. And they didn't. And ultimately the Buccaneers went up uh, 13, nothing. Yeah. The Eagles got a bit into it, uh, got it back to 16, nine, the half and then second half, they just they ran out of gas. And yeah, you know, the excuses would be Jane Hurts was hurt. There was no AJ Brown. This, this, this result wasn't a shock. Most pundits kind of predicted it. Um, and I think a lot of it is just stemming down to Matt Patricia. I don't think is the coaching genius that perhaps the Patriots organization made him to be. He wasn't that mm. great at the Lions. Wasn't that great as the Patriots offensive coordinator, although that's a weird job anyway, uh, last season. <laughs> and he wasn't, he wasn't, he hasn't been good as a defensive coordinator for the line. Like they have to fire him. Yeah. They have to. He was terrible. And I just, yeah, that that's where it all went wrong for me with the Eagles. Yeah, Buccaneers have just learned to play. And I don't think this is an elite team. I don't think this is a team that you're going to look at regardless of where they come and think, oh, they, they've got, they're elite, they're on their way. I mean, I they're a young team, though. With some good pieces in the draft, good pieces in free agency, they could really elevate. But they're a team on the rise because they've got cap money, they've got to tie some players down, but they can do things in the offseason that they couldn't do last season. But to start with 80 million dead cap, basically pay the credit card from the Super Bowl and then the, the the first couple of years of Super Bowl run afterwards, that window, to have paid that off and be this in this position, it's pretty remarkable. Um so yeah, I you know, I think I think the Eagles have got a lot of things. They've got to work out who's coming back, who's retiring. They're gonna to have to look at every position really and look at how they they strengthen. Um but they've got to look at the coaching staff. That's gotta be looked at in the offseason. And they've got to make 
some decisions because you don't lose a guy like Shane Steichen and, and Jonathan Gannon and replace them with equal coordinator talent. Mm. You just you can't. Shane Steichen's one of the best. We saw it with we saw it with the Colts. They almost made the playoffs, and they and they played God the Minshew at quarterback for most of the season. Yeah. You, we spoke earlier in the season about you being fairly happy with drafting JJ McCarthy, and then at the start of the podcast today, you said you hope Baker is the quarterback next year. Has your thought process on the position you need to draft now changed with how Baker's done this year? Yeah, I think if you can get a deal done with with Baker Mayfield, I think you've got to you've got to do it. The guy's earned a contract. You you have to look at a guy that throws for four thousand yards with a sixty six percent completion percentage with a um. 28 touchdowns that could have been better let's be honest that should have been in the 30s but it's not that far to get to that number it's not like he threw 20 you know to for him to get to 28 to 32 it's not a huge jump but for some efficiencies and uh a system that he's more used to year two uh, he, he can get there but four thousand yards for nearly four thousand one hundred yards yeah I, I don't think there's a lot baker could have done differently i think um do I think he's an elite quarterback? No, I'm not sitting here and like blinded by the lights here. I don't think that he's turned into Peyton Manning and Tom Brady overnight. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> he is good enough to he's good enough to beat teams. And with that defense you've got on the back end, you keep most of those parts together. Yeah, I take the devil you know versus the devil you don't. And I think you know if I'm looking at the Bucks now, thinking. I walked into the earlier in the season and, and the beginning of this season thinking the Super Bowl window was shut. It's a rebuild. Let's get younger players in. Let's start refilling. Bucks have kind of done that on the fly. You know, they have got a young roster. There's not many old players on this roster. Devontae David or Levante David is playing at an elite level. I mean, I'd sign him up for another season. Absolutely no problem. Mike Evans is only 30, 31. You sign him up for another you can get a deal done for three years. He's playing at an elite level, one of his best years. Outside of that, there ain't that many old players on this team. You know, it's a young offensive line. It's a young defensive line. I mean, Shaq Barrett is, what, 28, 29? Maybe he's 30. That's kind of it for the veterans, like the older players. So there isn't really that much you have to do other than just get better, a little better in the trenches. Need to probably look at Devin White. He's probably going to go in the offseason. So you have to look at replacing him at linebacker. But I, this team has an opportunity to extend a window. Now, the question will be, can Baker Mayfield win? And that is a question that you've got to answer. But if you build all the pieces around it and you give him an opportunity this season, next season, and then you see, and if he can't win, then you can go in a free agency buy or you can go and get a rookie quarterback and that should be your cherry on the top. I think I would pass on quarterback in this window now and I would look at signing Mayfield as long as he's not too greedy um, to a deal. I'd get deals done for Anton Winfield Jr. I'd get deals done for Mike Evans and I'd look to extend this Super Bowl playoff window because you're in a good spot now. You paid the credit card off. You got rid of a load of old players and you still won. So actually, it's a very different context to the one that we kind of started the season with. Let's talk about how the Green Bay Packers managed to dismantle the Dallas Cowboys at home with a defense that has at times this season been outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I get, I'm not shocked by this result as much as many people are. 
I I told people I kind of expected it. I did think this result was on the table. Now, the Cowboys are brilliant at home. That's probably the only shock here is the Cowboys to get done in their backyard. This team had gone 16-0 in their last 16 games at home. They went 8-0 in the regular season. I'm just not impressed with Mike McCarthy. I've said it time and time again. I think he's a pretty <laughs> predictable play, play caller. I think you know what you're going to get. Um, and a lot of people slept on Jordan Love. We didn't. I, I have gone on record a number of times saying, I think Jordan Love's a pretty good quarterback. You don't sit a guy for three years and hold on to the hope that he's going to play mm. unless he's got something. Now, the parts around confidence and and uh, playability and, um, you know, being pro-ready, that's, that's questions that you have to answer on the field. But there's no secret that the second half of the season, Jordan Love has been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He has been mm-hmm. phenomenal, especially that month of December. He was phenomenal. Uh, only bad game was against the Bucs, and he wasn't that bad. It was just one of those games. But phenomenal... Uh, in win and clinch situations, phenomenal in win and stay alive situations. And he's phenomenal. He absolutely took the Dallas Cowboys to pieces in what was a pretty predictable game plan by the Cowboys. They they are they are the, the Miami Dolphins of the NFC. They're flat track bullies. They beat really bad teams. They struggled against really good teams. That defense can suffocate and make plays, but they look tired. They look drained. They just struggle to make plays. And Jordan Love is, is is a tricky player. He's good on the run. He's mobile. He, he's got something about him, and he's in his element right now. And there probably isn't a quarterback that's playing with more confidence than than Jordan Love right now. He's a scary he prospect for playing. He did it without Jaden Reed as well. Jaden Reed didn't record a reception, which no. and he's been he's been one of his go to guys this season. So he, he's thrown to a lot of guys. He's had to. Um, they've, they've been banged up that room all season. He's adapted and adopted on the fly. Phenomenal job from from the whole organization um, to get to where they are. I think they've got a real challenge this weekend. I don't think they're going to have it their own way like they did against uh, the Cowboys. But, you know, this this is how important it is for a team to start well. They literally marched down the field on the first possession, scored, and they put the pressure on the Cowboys. And the Cowboys chased the game for the entire game. And if you are an underdog in a game, that's how you have to win. You have to set the tone, and you are the one that has to take control of the situation. The Packers did it and did it in spades. Um, they're going to need to do it against the 49ers. If they let the 49ers get up by 10, it's a, it's game over. they got no chance. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the thing with the Cowboys is they look tired. They look tired, and they lacked ideas they they're an uninspiring coached group with a good coach in there they would be a threat to anybody because they got the playmakers <laughs> but mike mccarthy is a coach who is coaching still like it's 2010 2011 and he's still coaching like he was coaching aaron Rodgers and green bay back then and it's not the case and all his plays are on film all his plays are available to every defensive coordinator to go and view and and they know what they're going to do and the only reason this team won the division is twofold they won this division because their defense was really really good and they won the defense and they won the division because philadelphia fell off a cliff that's the only reason they won this division we're in this position it's a kind of a false number two position if i've ever seen one before and they are uh, 
they're a good team. There's no point saying they're not a good team, but their head coach holds them back. Now, he is coming back uh, for another year. I think that's a mistake. That also tells me that Jerry Jones called out to Jim Harbaugh and he called out to Bill Belichick and they went, mm. yeah, no thanks. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. We don't want part of Jerry's world. And I think that they're either so advanced in their respective head coaching uh, interviews that they kind of know where they're going to go that it didn't even seem worth having the conversation. It's quite telling that they didn't have the conversation either. Um, so Mike McCarthy coming back, but he's, I, I don't know why. I, I, the guy doesn't win big games anymore. He hasn't for years. Mm. So uh, I just think if, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be tearing my hair out because I'd just be thinking it's more of the same. We're going to look great in the offseason. We're going to go great in the, in the regular season. We're going to look great at home. And then we're going to, I mean, they lost, they went four and four on the road. Now, yes, okay, they lost here at home, but they've won two playoff games since 2009 at home. It's not a great record. No. In fact, the Green Bay Packers have won more playoff games at AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys. Yeah, three to two. <laughs> Which is an indictment in itself. Uh, are you expecting Harbaugh to turn up in the NFL then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I believe he's going to be the coach of the Chargers. And I think that's a great job. I look at the Chargers roster. I look at what they have with high draft picks available to them. That's a great job to have. Brand new GM coming in. Great location. Yeah, I, I look at the jobs on paper and think that is great. That is one of the two jobs I well, yeah, one of the two jobs I'd probably want over any other at the moment. You got mm. a great franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, so you don't need to worry about quarterback. You got playmakers there. Yes, okay, you could probably do with another one there, but you got stellar defensive players who for some reason haven't performed to the level expected. You got some work to do in the trenches, but Effectively, you've got the fundamentals. You've got the building blocks of a really good team already there. And you've got the yeah. quarterback, and he's young. So for me, like, if I'm looking at jobs and thinking like, okay, I want, you know, I think about what I would want. They've got almost everything I want. High draft capital, picking in the top five, with a franchise quarterback already under contract and signed and sealed and ready to go. Um, With attractive playmaking pieces, yeah, I, I, I feel pretty good. And also the fact that hiring a GM means he's going to walk in with a lot of power. He's not coming in under someone else's steam. So I, I truly believe that decision is all but done. I, there's no source. It's not like I'm, I've got a black phone and a, I'm ringing people around, <laughs> but my gut tells me that that deal is going to get done and it's going to get done soon. Well, I, uh, and don't forget the weather. It's nice down there. Yeah, not a bad, not a bad place to be, really, is it? And uh, you know, and also he's the complete opposite side of the country of his brother, which can only be a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, Let, <laughs> no, I know they're close. I'm joking. Let's talk about two teams who've got aging quarterbacks: then Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams. That was a, a close one, and the Rams could have kicked a field goal. Yeah, long field goal would have been sixty. Don't know if it's in the range. I don't know why they punt it. I think you either make a decision to kick it or you go for it on fourth down. It's a long fourth down. I think it's fourth down, 10, 11, whatever it was. Um, I think you've got to make one of those two decisions. Um, I don't think you punt the ball with four minutes left. I think it's a stupid decision. 
Um, we've seen what the Lions can do on offense, and they they the clock up. It was easy. Um, yeah, so the Rams had this game in their grass. The Lions did well. It was a very close game. It was the closest game of the weekend. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it just came down to the playmakers like like uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He made plays. Puka uh, Nakua went off in this game, by the way. It was phenomenal. <laughs> um, but Cooper Cup was very quiet. Didn't get that many targets. Um, and then the run game, you know, Kyron Williams got hurt. That didn't help. But there was a really bad hit in this game on Tyler Higby. He's a result. He's torn his ACL um, and he's out now for nine months. Um, it, it was a low blow hit. Should get a fine and probably a suspension. But I, I think ultimately it just came down to the Lions are a tough team. They know how to win. Again, we talk about grit. We talk about adversity and the adversity that you come through. The Lions have gone through that in spades over the last few years. And they're continuing mm-hmm. to grow, and they've got that grit. They've got that determination. And Jared Goff, again, we're talking about a quarterback that nobody really fancied, no one really liked, former number one pick, uh, playing against his former team. Um, and he's reinvented himself into a top quarterback in this league again. And he's shown everyone that actually he's better than most people think he is. And you have to give the Lions credit for believing in him. You have to give the Lions credit for passing on Matt Stafford and sending him to L.A., and then you have to credit the fact that they believed in him and given him the talent and the, and the weapons to to deliver. And they just have, I mean, Dan Campbell's a phenomenal coach. He's a well-liked guy. He's built a culture there. They're going to be a very tough opponent on Sunday uh, for the Buccaneers. That's for me, and I'm biased, but it's a great game because I think you've got a great example there of two teams that have come through massive adversity to get to where they are, and it'll be interesting to see where it ends up. You've got two former number one picks playing each other. As long as both teams show up and both teams play, it'll be a barn burner. It'll be a really, really good game. Um, It does remind me of one of my favorite points of the week, though, that a journalist, and I don't quite know how this person got credentials, because they're officially credited. They asked Todd Bowles in his press conference about how he would deal with the weather in Detroit uh, for the game on Sunday. <laughs> in which he replied, "We, you know, it's played in the dome, right? And then this person tried to start it out and went, yeah, but, you know, in dealing with the build-up, well, I'm sure my players will be fine for the 20 seconds that they're outside just to get from the bus to the under-the-cover thing. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. How, how does this happen? Well, how do we... How do we find ourselves in a world where this sort of question is asked on the largest? <laughs> the look on his face, he just went deadpan. He was like, just wind up. Like- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Am I being punked here? Oh, unbelievable. Like, I get it. Like, because the weather's been the talk all week. And we're going to talk about a couple of the snow games, but man alive. <laughs> oh, brutal. That's yeah. Um, do you fancy your chances against the Lion? Like, in, in, in I think honesty, it's a tough one? game. I think it's a harder game than the one that we just played. Um, yeah, look, I, I can't say that I, I don't like the situation we're in. Uh, I think I like it a lot. I think I'd rather be playing them than the 49ers, which is on paper probably what should have happened. Um, I, th- I think there's opportunities to win. That's how I, I view it. I think the Buccaneers um, can can line up against the, the Lions. I think they can match up pretty well. I think they can put pressure on Jared Goff. Um, you know, the, the two things they're going to have to do to win this game, stop the run, which they're pretty good at, and stopping a, uh, Amor Arce Brown, which they've been pretty terrible at stopping wide receivers. <laughs> um, so they're going to have to get better at that, and they're going to need to come up with a game plan for that. But I think if they can stuff uh, Amit Ross St. Brown and they can box him up and they can box up Jared Goff, then I, th- I really like the chances of us winning that game. Okay. Let's talk about a defense that scored two touchdowns on two on two series, and that's the Houston Texans. They pounded the Cleveland Browns. CJ Stroud is having himself one hell of a rookie year. And yeah, just superlatives aren't enough at this point. I don't think phenomenal star in the making uh, is is the least we can say about him. Um, they're just a fun team to watch. Cleveland just ran out of steam. It's not a surprise. Everyone's like, "What happened?" And it's like, it's not Jeff Flacco at quarterback. Yeah, he had a good month in December. He did have a good month. There's not say here and say he didn't. He also threw a lot of interceptions. That's what people seem to forget. <laughs> he threw like eight interceptions in December. Like he threw a lot. He threw a lot of picks. Um. There's a reason that quarterbacks don't just come off the couch and play games unless it's absolutely necessary. And it's exactly for this situation. He looked yep. like he just got he'd been playing for a month with his team. He doesn't know the team as well as you would hope. He's learning everything on the fly. Listen, he's a very experienced veteran. He's shown that he can cope in really difficult circumstances. However, if a team is able to pick up signs and be able to utilize a weakness like that and do it well, they're a good team. And that's what the Texans are. And they absolutely just had Joe Flacco's number. And it was just impossible then for the Browns to recover because the Browns' strength is this passing defense. It's as good as it is. But when they're chasing games and their quarterback's giving away two touchdowns, there's not much this D can do. They have to then be over-aggressive. They have to pressurize C.J. Stroud, and he was able to just stand strong, make throws, make plays, and they scored more points. And it really was one-sided, this game. And it's I tell you now, it's a very, very interesting game. Them versus the Ravens on Saturday, I believe they play. Really interesting game. I am... I have the Ravens as favorites. I've backed the Ravens since before the season to win the Super Bowl. I backed Lamar Jackson for the MVP before the season started. I stick to that. I can't waver it. There's nothing I've seen to suggest that's not going to happen either way. So 
Uh, but I think that the I think that the the Texans will will provide a good test for the Ravens, and I do think that game will be closer than the line is suggesting. I think the line's something stupid, like nine and a half points, which I think is mad. I take really? I take the Texans in the points. Yeah, I think it's something silly like that. Uh, let me pull it up. The latest point I've seen nine and a half. It could have changed. So, um... well, nine and a half's a lot. You could get Green Bay nine and a half at the start of the week as well. So it was, yeah, it definitely was nine and a half. So I've not misrepresented that. Um, <laughs> let's go on to. Will it not just be on the? Uh... I'm just going on the DraftKings. Oh, there you go. Uh, it's just loading now. I don't have it on Google. No, I just keep I keep getting the articles. I'm trying to find the actual. <laughs> so they are currently still nine and a half. Five oh. odds. Still nine and a half. Give me the Texans and the points in that one. Because I think it's I think it's closer. I think it's closer than nine and a half points. I think that's a disrespect on the Texans. I, I think there's more chance of Green Bay being within nine and a half to San Fran than Texans of See, Ravens. I don't, I don't. That's interesting. I think both teams could finish inside the points, but I do, I do think the Texans are being slept on here. I do think the Ravens win. I, I think they'll win by under a score, maybe a score at most. Ravens by the touchdown, Murph. That's what you're saying. I hear it. I hear it. Uh, the Bills Steelers got moved because of well, just a. Uh, ungodly amount of snow <laughs> apocalypse yeah i cannot believe that the bills pitch does not have under soil heating it does i thought it did. i don't think it does no kansas city does which okay. is why but the bills pitch doesn't and as a sports turf professional who is currently working outside in minus eight conditions and the ground is shall we say firm it was sub-zero for over a week in Buffalo, and they still played that game. The guys jumping about on that pitch, it, ouch. It's mad. It's mad to me that a sporting event of physical contact took place on that field, regardless of ground conditions. It's just baffling. Yeah. Baffling. But, go on. Yeah, no, it is absolutely... Um... Yeah, you're right. Buffalo don't. Yeah, that is baffling. But they're building a new stadium, so they're not going to put it in now. No, um, no. But I, I think that I think that um, it cost the Chiefs three million dollars or something to do theirs a few years ago. And I understand why Buffalo aren't because they're building a new stadium. But yeah, it's that would have hurt. It's also a good advantage. <laughs> it's a good advantage. It, they, play, they played to it. I suppose they're used to it. Definitely a good advantage. I mean, that I, I, of all the results, this was probably the least shocking. I don't think anyone really gave the Steelers <laughs> any chance in this game. Mike Tomlin has done a phenomenal job to get them into the playoffs yet again. He's actually really hurting his own chances by getting them into the playoffs. Um, funny thing from the post game of this uh, one was a interviewer asked Mike Tomlin if he was coming back. Uh, if he was coming back and coaching the team next season, and he just walked out. 
<laughs> Respect, Mike. I love that. Like immediately asking him after a game that he just lost to end his season. So, Mike, you coming back next year? I I respect the move big time. Love, I love Mike Tom. I have a, I have a lot of love for Mike Tom, and I think he's a great coach. That a lot of people are going to be talking about his playoff record isn't great. I also think the talent's been poor <laughs> for the most part. He's overachieved on these teams, and the problem is because he continues to overachieve, he continues to hurt his own draft capital in rebuilding yeah. these teams. <laughs> so he keeps getting picked at the back end of round one and every round since, and he avoids getting top talent. So he's ending up having to do a phenomenal coaching job every single season. He's really just battling adversity here against himself. Uh, whereas he could have really one really bad season, get a load of players and, and rebuild. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, really. They, they've announced today that uh, Mike Tomlin's announced that he's going to bring in some co- uh, competition for Kenny Pickett this season uh, coming up, which I don't think is a surprise. No. <laughs> I don't think that's a surprise at all. Um that they fired their OC, thank goodness. Their things are going to change in Pittsburgh. They need to change. Um, they're great defensively. They're poor offensively. Um, and they will get better um, for sure. But the Bills have been on a phenomenal run. They talk about a team that uh, faced adversity. They were almost at 500. They went on a phenomenal winning streak to win the division. Um, a lot of teams have, a lot of people have slept on the Bills. They're probably the informed team coming into the playoffs. And they're a threat to anybody. Um, the question marks will be, can they put up enough points against great defenses? Like if they end up inevitably uh, beating the Chiefs and then um, beating the, the Ravens, can can they dismantle that defense? That's the big question mm. on this team. But yeah, I... There's not much to talk about this game. It was pretty as expected. It was a, a fairly easy game for uh, the Bills here. And, you know, you got to respect the job. It's, it's really he- easy to hate Mike Tomlin and, and the Steelers for their playoff record. But, you know, and I am a big guy believing at some point you've got to win to earn your job. But I just think those teams have been quite talent poor, especially on offense, especially since Ben, probably the last three years of Ben Roethlisberger's career, where he was done, but he was still playing at, he wasn't playing at a high level, he was playing at a game manager level for three years. Um, You think from then to now, so we're talking about nearly six years, that's a long time, that they've just muddled by on offense. They need to get better at offense. That's what needs to happen, but uh, I have full faith that Mike Tomlin and the crew will, will do that. You you mentioned the Bills beating the Chiefs. The Chiefs had to get to that game by going through a Miami Dolphins team that cannot beat a team with a winning record. Or a team in the cold. I mean, it's literally the <laughs> yeah. worst scenario for the Dolphins. This was the easiest pick for me, other than the Bills. Like These two games were just, yeah, saw the weather conditions, saw they were playing the Chiefs, wrote off the Dolphins. <laughs> it, it's a pretty easy formula to the team of a winning record. Are they playing in the cold? Oh, both things are true? Yeah, we're right off the Dolphins because they just can't do it. And, it, you know, it's easy to joke, but it's been three years and they've beaten one team with a winning record, and that's Dallas at home, who are effectively the Dolphins equivalent. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not being funny. I, they, at some point, they've got to put up or shut up. Yeah. Because Dolphins fans were really 
optimistic. They were talking about this is one of the best seasons they've ever had. They talked with such confidence that this was going to be the year. But they never showed it. They never showed it in a big spot. Yeah, they put 70 points up on Denver. Thank you. I'm sorry, but they did. (laughs) And then the Ravens went and put 50 points on them in week 17. Yeah. Like, if you're a good team, you don't get 50 points put up on you. I'm sorry. That is an immediate red flag. Like, if a team puts 50 points up on you, you're not a good team. Yes, you can have an off day. Yes, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Yes, you can play a team that's absolutely elite and they just absolutely dust you. But 50 points, I think it was like 56 points. It was horrific. You've got no right. I just, yeah, the Chiefs were always winning this game in my book and and they did. It was cold. Uh, Highlight for me was the beer froze and then also, um, um, oh, God, names just completely escaped me. Oh god! I can't help you here. Andy Reed's mustache. Andy Reed's mustache. That's it. I just had an absolute brain fart. Um, yeah, Andy Reed's mustache completely half half froze. That was quite funny. So I I can attest to a frozen mustache because I went to Lapland uh, six and a bit years ago now, and it was so cold that every bit of my facial hair froze. And it is an unpleasant, like because because you're breathing, the moisture from your breath gets on your facial hair and then instantly freezes. It was minus thirty six degrees centigrade in Lapland. It was so cold. So only real guys have frozen mustaches. <laughs> yeah, that, it's pretty awful. I mean, this was this for me was the worst game of the weekend. I mean, Rashi Rice had a game. Great for him, 130 yards. We've been talking about Rashi Rice and how much we liked him on the show quite a lot. Um, and he he delivered in spades. But, you know, this this was not a game that you ever really need to go and spend more than a few minutes on. It was very one-sided. But it was, I, I don't think it was a great game. Two or three for under 200 yards um, with one touchdown. Mahomes threw one touchdown. Um yeah, there's not really too much to talk about here, unless you want to talk about how great Harrison Butker is at kicking field goals. He kicked a lot of them. We knew that, though. Yeah, so that's what I mean. There wasn't much. One, two, three, four. Oh, it was just a four. I thought it was more than that. Um, yeah. The Dolphins just can't do it. They can't be good teams, <laughs> and they can't do it in the cold. And until, until both those things happen... I just will continue to write off the Miami Dolphins. It's not because I hate the Miami Dolphins. I don't. I mean, they're a really fun team to watch, but they're the ultimate flat track bully. They'll see a poor offense. They'll see a poor team and they'll absolutely obliterate them. They'll face a good team and they'll lose. And until that is not the case, I will not change my thinking because it's true. I can only look at three years of body of work. One winning, beating one team in three years with a winning record. It's just not good enough. And, you know, if I'm sitting there as the owner of the Dolphins, you have to look. They spent a lot of money in free agency the last couple of years. They big big blockbuster trades for Tyree Kill. They didn't even win the division this year. You haven't yeah. won a division title and you haven't won a playoff game. You spend all that money. Questions have to be asked. That that organization needs a top to bottom review of everything. Quarterback, and I don't think two is a bad quarterback, by the way. I don't I'm not in the two or out camp, by the way. But he needs to be reviewed. Everyone needs a review. 
top to bottom. Defense coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coach, everything needs to be looked at because they've made big moves. They've done a lot of things. Nothing's worked. And you can't spend that kind of money and you can't invest that kind of trade capital and you cannot put in the weapons that they have got in place and not win division titles and playoff games. Not say you got to win Super Bowl, but they're not even close. That's my view. Yeah. I suppose the one good thing about a Super Bowl would be that it wouldn't be in the cold. <laughs> no. <laughs> they got there. No, I mean, that, I mean, yeah, that, that would help them out a great deal, but they'd still have to beat a, a team with a winning record. Uh, I don't think you can get, I don't think. There is there is probably a scenario where you could get a losing team in the regular to the Super Bowl, um, but not all the way there though. That would yeah, that would I mean, be, that'd be, that'd that would be, be a crazy. struggle. But yeah, it, yeah, they they have to they have to work that out, and they need a root branch review, top to bottom. Unfortunately, something has to be done because something's got to change for the Dolphins. Yeah, so Murph, you've got the Texans uh, losing, but within the point spread, you think the 49ers are going to beat the Packers over the spread. You've got a close one. Well, not necessarily the over the spread. I think the spread's not far off. Okay, you've got a close one between the Lions and the Buccaneers, and the Bills. Chief, you think the Bills are going to they're going to win that one? Yeah, I think they win it comfortably. To be honest, I don't think the Chiefs have looked good. I still don't think they look particularly good against the Dolphins. Um, this team has relied heavily on the defense all season long. Um, I don't. There, there's something. There is some glitch in this offense. It's not working. It hasn't worked for a while. And they've just got by and sneak games and sneak games. And that's great until you face the elite in the league. And that's where we're getting to now. Now, normally I would sit here and say, you've got an elite head coach, you've got an elite quarterback, and you've got a team that have done it a couple of times. They've been to, what, three, four Super Bowls in the last however many years. That's all great. This team hasn't looked great for a while. And it's kind of hung on. And it's beaten some bad teams. And it's gotten through some good... And it's gotten through some some adversity and it's got grit and it's got determination, but it's not working. It's not fluid. This team is not in form. Bills, most informed team in the league. I'll take the Bills. I, I have to back the Bills. I think the Bills-Ravens could be a really special AFC Championship game. I really do. I think that could be one of the best AFC Championship games we've seen in recent years. Okay, there we go. I mean, listen, I want the Chiefs to win because if the Buccaneers get there, I'd fancy a chances against the Chiefs again. But I'm realistic. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> okay. We, we've talked about some positions with, uh, what's his face from Michigan? Harbour, potentially. Yeah. Well, you think he's locked in for the, the Chargers job. Anything else you want to talk about with coaches before we jet? Well, I think Bill Belichick is going to be the Atlanta Falcons head coach. He's had his second interview. Or he's having his second interview. Or something on the lines of a second interview. I think that that is going to get done. Uh, I Do really you? believe, yeah, hundred percent. I think that's going to get done. Um, I particularly think that he aced the question, "How did you overcome adversity?" Well, we let you go up twenty-eight to three in a Super Bowl, and we beat you purely because I knew this interview was going to come up six years later, and I was going <laughs> to use it as my answer. So there you go. I mean, I just drop the pen and walk out of the interview room right there. But however, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I joking aside, I, I do I do genuinely believe that Bill Belichick will be the coach of the Atlanta. It's a great job. Yes, they need a quarterback. That could be a sticking point. But there's some great pieces on that defense. There's some great offensive pieces. I don't really know who he's going to bring in as coaches. That is going to be the really interesting part because 
um his son is is staying in in um in new england so yeah that's going to be interesting who they bring in uh as coaches um but yeah i think that gets done i think it's an interesting job i think it's a good job if i'm bill belichick i you know it's probably one of the other jobs i'd I'd look at and think yeah i'd I'd have a go on that i think it's uh it's a good job the quarterback is going to be a big thing can you i don't think you can get a good quarterback at eight um except for i mean I don't think JJ McCarthy's going to be in the, uh, is going to go in the first round, unfortunately. So, um, if Jaden Daniels falls to eight, maybe I don't think he's the answer. If I'm honest, um, I would love to see. I mean, I'd hate to see it, but uh, Michael Penix Jr. could be there at eight. That that screams of a great fit. <laughs> unfortunately, I'd hate for it to happen a lot because I really like Michael Penix Jr. Uh yeah, so there we go. We'll see what happens, but I think I think that gets done. I think that's a good. I think it's it's a good job for Bill Belichick. Um, he brings a lot of gravitas and pull there, and actually that organization needs someone like him to go in and really sort it out. Mm. Yeah, Kyle Pitts to the moon, baby. They love a tight end. <laughs> you say that, but other than Gronk, how many fantasy relevant tight ends has he produced? No, but you've got to have a good one to start with, right? They had Gronk, so just I expect exactly the same culpits. I'm obviously joking here, guys. Is... <laughs> can't can't have any more carpets to the moon seasons anymore. He's used them all up. <laughs> They've all gone. Oh, poor Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's done. Hey, right. Jared Mayo appointed head coach of the Patriots. Yep, 37, linebacker coach. It's amazing that he's basically... My age. Yeah. Here's what I love <laughs> is, is great, right? I, I I absolutely love Jaramo just for this. When he renegotiated his contract, he negotiated it so that he would be the automatic replacement for Bill Belichick when he left. That's... That's a big dog move, that is. That is a big dog move. I don't quite know how they get around the whole Rooney rule and like advertising the role and viewing minority candidates and all of that. Like I'm now all of that has come out. I'm sure there's got to be some form of investigation because the Bucks got investigated when they hired Todd Bowles. Because even though he's a minority candidate, you're supposed to put it out there and it's supposed to be an open job. And it clearly wasn't an open job if it's been written into his contract. Um, so that's an interesting one to to get in. Um, but yeah, look, he's 37. He's never held a top coordinator's job, but it's a real, it's a rebuild job, right? They're picking high in the draft. It's one of these. If you're prepared to give Jared Mayo like three years, four years to get his feet under the table, to grow the organization, to build his culture in, to get his players in, to draft his way, to play, get the team built and playing his way, then that, I'm okay with that as a move because effectively it can't get any worse. They, the veterans will leave that team. They need to get younger. They'll take a quarterback in the draft, you know, and they'll and they'll rebuild. But it will take some time, and he'll need time. And it's kind of a good, it's a good job for a first time head coach if you're not going to put him in the one and done category. Yeah. So if you give him that security that he's going to get three years, barring like misconduct or anything like that, then I like it. 
if you're not and you're expecting to succeed in year one, then yeah, he's out. He's out the door. We might as well <laughs> move on to the next one because it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Tough. Tough gig. It is a tough gig, but it's, I mean, everyone thought it was going to be Mike Vrabel. It clearly isn't. So, you know, there's still plenty of jobs out there um, mm. in the NFL. Like, if we're looking at it, we haven't even got to the coordinators, and we'll probably save that chat for, for next week. You know, we've got the commander's job is in play. We have the Falcons job that we've looked at, which, again, I think Greg Bill Belichick. We've got Seahawks job. I think Mike Vrabel will probably get that job. That kind of screams that that uh, would work out. Um, yeah, we've talked about the Chargers. I think Harbaugh gets that job. We've got the Raiders. I mean, effectively, you could sit there and go, uh, Antonio Pierce should be the guy that gets that job, unless he gets it hired anywhere else. But for me, I think you just try and lock that up and get it done. Uh, the Titans job is open. Uh, and then the Panthers job, which is a job that absolutely no one will want. Yeah. Unless, unless, you, unless you want to go to Carolina and earn like five years money for five months work. Hey, exactly that. Like if you want to go and earn like 30 mil and, and just not work for five years, Carolina's it. Cause you can go there, get hired, get fired in five months and then have your contract paid out. I would not be, um, I would not be against that. Carolina. No, you have to put up with David Tepper for five months. I, I could do that. I, okay, fine. I'll put you there. Just saying. Thanks. I mean, your gig at the Giants has yet to materialise, so <laughs> I'll keep the podcast going with five months in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think that's yeah. I mean, that's a horrible job. I don't like. I genuinely like. All bets are off. What they do there, I have no idea. They're interviewing like everyone, but then anyone so, that so they should. But anyone that's good isn't going to go there. So you're going to have to take a chance on a first-year head coach. That's effectively how you're going to go it. And if you go down that route, you're going to have to give him time, which he's not famous for giving people time. We saw this with mm. Matt Rule. We paid Matt Rule a lot of money to go there. He didn't get it done. Uh, Frank Reich paid a lot of money to go there. Didn't get it done. I, I Stop paying people lots of money. Yeah, I, you got it, right? I, I just don't really know what they do. I, I I genuinely like as a Panthers. I don't understand what the Panthers can do. I genuinely don't know. Like I look at that job. That's by far the worst job. Don't have a first round pick. You've got a young quarterback and needs a lot of help. You need to hire an offensive head coach. That's about the only thing I know that you have to do. Dave Canales would make sense because he's just saved Geno Smith and he's just saved Baker Mayfield. But the guy's a one year play caller in the NFL. Mm. Hiring him is a massive risk. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they do. Like, I think that's a tough one. Rabel, I think, goes to the Seahawks. I think I said that one. I think that one gets yeah. gets uh, done. That makes too much sense for me. Um, I think that, like, I look at the top jobs. Like the top jobs for me, the Carolina, the Washington one's really interesting. I have no idea what Washington are going to do. But that's a really fascinating job because you've got the opportunity to go and draft Drake May. Yeah. I... Or if you really love Caleb Williams, you've got, no. the, you've got the opportunity to draft to go up the one and get him. I don't like him. 
that much more than Drake May to give up what they'd have to give up. Mm. I don't think they'd have to give up a lot. That's the thing. I think they'd have to give up an, uh, 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 next year's one, maybe. To go down one spot, if Chicago aren't hell-bent on getting a QB, because then they could they could move down from two. That's crazy. No, I mean, yeah. it, it depends. Right? For me, if I'm Chicago, I take I take Caleb Williams. Right? I give up on Justin Fields. I'm done. I, I, I get out of the Justin Fields business right now. So if I was if I was walking in as the GM of of the Chicago Bears, I I trade Justin Fields, get a second round pick, third round pick. If you can get that for him, get out of the Justin Fields business. The guy's won ten games in three years. He's got to go. So I draft Caleb Williams, and then I just let him play for a couple of years and develop. That's how I see it. I don't. You you can't give Justin Fields a new contract. You just can't. You can't give him a new contract. So he's in year four. So you effectively, this is your this is your referendum year. You're not picking at one again. Mm. So what have what are you hoping to see out of Justin Fields that you've not seen in three years? Because everyone says, oh, he's great. The people that think that Justin Fields is a great quarterback purely look at his fantasy numbers and his fantasy points and think he's a mm. great quarterback. But he's not. He's not a good quarterback. The guy has a career under 60% completion percentage. The guy has won 10 games at, in 38. Like, it wins aren't everything, but they're a lot. <laughs> like, you have to, at some point in three seasons, show that you can win games. I'm yet to see evidence that Justin Fields can win a game consistently. I, I've yet to see people go. Oh, he was great at the end of last season. Yeah, great. I don't give a crap. They won five games. Mm. Like they were. What I don't... do you really think that Justin Fields is the future of your franchise? Because I, I, I genuinely don't think. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think that in a better team, he could win some games. And I think he's a low, a very low level starter. In the NFL. I think he's in that sort of 20 to 32 range that he can probably go to New England and win a few games, <laughs> like five, six games. I think he's that sort of guy that he's like a stopgap QB. That's where I kind of see him. Hey, look, we're going to just bring a guy in who will sell some tickets and we'll have him for a year um, as a stopgap cheap option. And then we'll go and draft a QB when he only wins us four or five games. That's kind of how he's now like Gardner Minshew. That's kind of where I see him. Like, he's <laughs> fine, but he's never going to be a permanent, like, I don't think you can build a franchise around him. And if he's going to sit there and start asking for 30 million a year, plus he's not going to get it. Because I just yeah. go, if I was a GM and he was like, yeah, and his agent came into my office and said, yeah, so, you know, we're looking at 40 million a year. I'd be like, there's the door. I wouldn't even entertain the conversation. Like, again, they've got the number one pick. And I'm not saying Caleb Williams is all that. There's people saying he's the best draft prospect since Andrew Luck. I'm so not in that camp at all. No, I couldn't be further from that camp, to be honest. I'm not even entirely sold that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in this class. I, I, 
I don't think he is. I... Yeah, I, I, I could, I could easily go with Drake May. I could easily go with Michael Penix Jr. And I'm in the absolute anomaly there. Yeah, but if, we're, we're... if Michael Penix Jr. came through as the best QB in this class three, four years from now, it wouldn't shock me. It would shock me less that Michael Penix Jr. is the best QB in this class than it would Caleb Williams not being. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Someone's, Nick, Nick's just asked a question. Do you think Atlanta will be in for Fields? That's a really interesting proposition. That is one of the few teams where that could make some sense. I, the, the problem would be paying him. So I think, look, you've got, you've got this situation. He's going in the year four. You'll probably have to pick up the year five option and give yourself two years to evaluate him. Do I really think that Bill Belichick, if he gets the Atlanta job, is going to want a purely rushing QB? I don't think so. I think he wants a pocket passer. So, like, for me, I can't see if they hire Bill Belichick, I can't see why he would tie himself to fields. I wouldn't do it. But I think if I'm looking at spots for fields and think if I was Justin Fields, places I could go that would make sense for me, that would be a good spot. That would be. It'd be a really good spot for him. But I don't I don't see it working. I think if 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 I'm looking at people that could trade for Justin Fields, I'd have to really give this some thought. It would have to be those that are probably gonna miss out on the QB run this year. Or a team that's in a rebuild. So I, I tell you who I wouldn't absolutely hate it for. If Washington decided that actually we're so far away in the division where we've got the Cowboys and the Eagles, even though I think the Eagles are going to blow up and rebuild, but let's say that people have a different opinion to me. And they decide they're going to go for a longer rebuild and they want to pass on Drake May, trade down and then trade for Justin Fields. That I wouldn't hate. Because what they would do is stockpile talent, they'd build trenches, they'd build weapons, and then go and get the quarterback in two years' time. That kind of makes sense. But he would be a stopgap. I don't think there's a there's a world where I see Justin Fields being a starting quarterback two years from now. Or three years from now. Yeah. I so wasn't that... sure what to do. If I People have asked me what they think Chicago would do, and I said, I have no idea. And now I am a lot more in the camp of drafting Caleb I, Williams. I can't see how they can't. I genuinely can't see how they can't. If you, if they pass on QB here at the one position, which they shouldn't be in, they, they shouldn't be in. They made the trade last year um, when they were in the one spot, traded down, which, by the way, looks like a blinding decision now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having said that, they could have had CJ Stroud, but there you go. Um, you you're in this situation now. Where I don't think you can. I don't think you can pass it. I don't think you can give Justin Fields another year. I just don't. I don't think you can. You've you've given him three. You've given him enough time because if you take if you do now, you have to take the fifth year option on him. Because you lose all value on him. Yeah. And I don't think they can commit themselves to paying him 20 odd million dollars in year five. I just I I don't see I don't see what they need to see that is gonna land it. So I, I think they and people say, like, oh they'll trade down for like three first round picks. 
I don't think people are paying that for Caleb Williams. Uh, I think people are grossly overestimating Caleb Williams here. I think this is a good draft class for quarterbacks. I don't think it's elite. I don't think there's an elite quarterback here in this class. We're not talking a couple of years ago with Joe Burrow and Justin uh, Justin Herbert and even Tua. You know, regardless of what people's opinions are, Tua, he's a good quarterback. And I'm not saying yeah. he's elite, but um, I don't think we have that level of quarterback in, in this class. I think you've got a lot of good quarterbacks who can make pretty decent careers. Um, but I, I don't think there's a there's a 15-year franchise quarterback in this class. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Murph, I wish you the best of luck this weekend against the Lions. I hope your Buccaneers managed to get another win and see you face off against the formidable force that is opposing you the following week. But yeah, the Green Bay Packers at home. Let's go. <laughs> go, Pack, go. Go, Pack, go. Wins aren't we everything. Know. I think we will know. I think we will know. Yeah, we will. So I think we're going to know who we're <clears> playing before we play. You sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we play. I think pretty sure the 49ers play the the two one seeds play on the Saturday. Well, there you go. Lock it in. Go pack. Go. Let's get a let's get that Mayfield jersey locked into the Murphy household because <laughs> Lord knows he deserves it. Rush Nation wins aren't everything, but they are a lot. Until next week, as always, don't forget keep rushing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.